Hey guys, this week's episode is brought to you by Agility Bed. They're giving 20% off your next order of a hybrid mattress, cooling pillow, or new sheets so you can be sure you're getting your best night's sleep. Just enter code COMFORT20 at agilitybed.com slash YHL. That's COMFORT20 at agilitybed.com slash YHL. I'm John. And I'm Sherry. We like home stuff. We like talking. And we like the occasional game show sound effect. So welcome to Young House Love Has a Podcast, where we have deep and not so deep conversations about DIY, design, and life at home. Today, we're getting tons of ideas from someone who specializes in affordable, easy-to-change decor for renters and homeowners alike. Plus, we make some predictions for our Florida move, including what could go spectacularly wrong. If everything has gone according to plan, or at least mostly according to plan, we should be in Florida by the time you are hearing this. This is past Sherry and John, though, sitting in Richmond recording this because we're trying to be responsible and get an episode together just in case stuff hits the fan when we get to Florida and we don't have an internet connection and can't upload a podcast. We don't know what's going to happen, so we're just covering our bases. Yeah, I figure even if everything goes smoothly with getting the internet connected and stuff like that, just general unpacking and getting settled may make it tough to get an episode out this week, so we figured... Let's get one ready just in case. So we are in Richmond still recording this. This is, as Sherry said, past John and Sherry in Richmond recording this episode. So next episode, we should hopefully have some updates about how Florida is and all that stuff. And obviously, you can always check in for more real-time things on our Instagram or our Instagram stories. I don't know who is watching my stellar peony update, where every day I went outside and filled my peonies, waiting for them to open. That's old news. That's Richmond news. It really is. I wonder what will be the equivalent of that. Maybe my white, big, huge flowers on the magnolia trees, which right now do not have any flowers, but I'm going to be on Magnolia Flower Watch in Florida because that's what Insta Stories demands of me. I give the people what they want. Okay. It's me eating blocks of cheese and filming flowers and videos of burger. Which I guess we're going to learn we can do in any state. Right. (laughs) That will all travel well. Oh, and I realized I should have clarified earlier when I said our next episode will be recorded in Florida. That next episode is going to be in two weeks on June 1st because next week is Memorial Day. We had planned to take it off originally when we had like plans. (laughs) Yeah, back in early 2020 before we knew what was going to happen. Yes, but we figured we're still going to take it off because I'm sure we could use the time to get more settled in Florida and stuff like that. So we will be back with a new episode on June 1st. Yes, and I've been getting so many messages from people who are like, ah, are you going to go away for the summer? I love that you spend time with your family. Totally respect that you guys need a break from the podcast, blah, blah, blah. But please don't leave us right as you move into the house in Florida because we're going to want to know all the stories. We completely agree. We took the summer off previously because we liked spending that time with our kids and managing the duplex. Obviously, everything is different now. Don't have the duplex. There's at-home learning, so the kids are around all the time now anyway. And so our plan is to continue recording throughout the summer. There might be a moment where we decide to take like a four-week break sometime in August maybe, but please don't anticipate that we'll come back on June 1st only to say we're taking the rest of June, July, and August off. That is definitely not the plan. I know that you guys enjoy the podcast, even just to know what day it is. We also enjoy the structure of recording the podcast each week, and I'm sure I'm going to have so many things to tell you. Okay, well, speaking of which, do you have any guesses for what those stories might be? Like, 
Do you have any predictions for what our move will be like? Ooh, I like predictions of the future. Okay, so I think we will still have lots of boxes to unpack, even though we will have lived there for, I don't know, probably a week by the time this is heard. Who knows, but I think that's a pretty safe prediction. I know, that's very safe. Maybe one of our appliances will break. (laughs) That's so funny you said that. I had that same worry because we are using the existing appliances that were in the kitchen and came with the house they conveyed, and they're kind of an assortment, I would say. Yes, our washer and dryer are going to be new, but we're going to have an old fridge, an old dishwasher, and an old stove. So I do have a slight panic that we'll get there, load the dishwasher, and then go to like run it and be like, oh, this is shooting water everywhere. I also feel like something is going to be weird about the first night there because our plan is to drive, you know, one full day. Like Waze says it's like 12 hours and 15 minutes, but you know, there's going to be stops in there to get gas and go to the bathroom and- In the pee bags safely in like a safe pull-off zone, not in the shoulder. Yes. We do lose an hour or gain an hour. I don't know. We're going back in time zones. So we're in the Eastern time zone now. We're going to end up in Central. So that will help us a little bit. Yeah. My goal is to leave really, really, really early in the morning. Kids might sleep for the first part of it. We'll just feel bright-eyed and bushy-tailed because it's hard for us to sleep in on a very exciting day anyway. And then it gives us a slight chance of making it there while it's still light because I have this vision of the kids seeing the house for the first time and running all around and the magic of the light streaming in and them seeing their really cool vaulted ceilings. And I just like want them to see the special trees. I want to go out on the deck with them on the second floor and gaze at the birds. Like I just want light. I think your expectation is a bit higher than mine. (laughs) I will just be happy if we get there with enough energy to get everything out of the car and inside and like the beds made for the first night. Like that is my bar right now. And by beds, you mean mattresses on the floor. (laughs) Exactly. It's a very low bar. (laughs) Do you remember in our second house how we slept on a mattress on the floor for a long time and then we were like suddenly very over it? Yeah. Like it was fine for a while and then we got to this point where we were like, we can't live like this anymore. (laughs) Well, we keep thinking here now in Richmond, like we should really get our beds ordered so when we get there, we can set up the beds quickly, but we're just having trouble making a decision about beds from afar. Like there's a few we like, but every time we get close to the checkout button, we're like, let's just wait and look at things in person and make sure this is right. I don't know why we're having that hang up this time around, but I think we want to get it right and not get the wrong bed. And so it just feels a little bit risky to do it before we're actually there. Yeah, I think it's mostly in the kids' rooms because in our room, we know we're just going to have like a regular old queen-size bed. It's what we've always had. Truthfully, a king-size bed wouldn't even fit on that wall and we're fine. We've been in a queen for so long. When people say, is a queen too small? I always say, dude, we used to share it full. (laughs) Like a queen is big for us. But we know our bed and the placement of our bed. We even have little outlets on either side of the bed for the night tables. It's just our kids' rooms that we're totally unsure about because they have a lot of ideas. We want to give them a lot of freedom in their spaces. There have been moments our son has said he wants a bunk bed and other moments he's really wanted a bed with drawers under it and gone into detail for about 15 minutes about what he's going to put in the yeah. drawers. So we're like going to get there and see if it makes sense in his room to put it against a certain wall. And same for our daughter's room. It's like we're not quite sure which wall we're going to use, what we're going to put where. So we're just going to wait to get there. I feel like we'll have a better result if we're patient, but we are definitely tempted to just make a decision so that it's one less thing to do. But I'm just trying to hold off for the benefit of the better outcome and not the faster outcome. Wait, but going back to your prediction about something weird happening the first night, are you saying like the smoke alarm goes off or like there's a raccoon in the house? Oh, I hope not. (laughs) Possum? (laughs) (laughs) There would be a sign. (laughs) No, I think just like, I don't know, 
if one of the mattresses doesn't arrive or like it takes a lot longer to like, you know, unfold and fill up, like I'm half predicting an uncomfortable first night sleeping there, which I think is partially me just being John. Yeah. Preparing for the worst. Trying to set my expectations so I don't (laughs) put them too high. John is always worried about something, guys. And I'm always like, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. And you know what? Half the time he's right and half the time I'm right. Well, you know, it's going to be a long day. Like, I'm not kidding myself that we're going to be getting up earlier. We're going to be driving a lot. And so I think it is a day would be nice to have a very comfortable bed to sleep in that night. And I'm just trying to brace myself that it might not be comfortable for the first night. I feel like that day is going to be so exciting. Even though it's going to be a long drive, I can already picture the like thousands of conversations we're going to be having as we go down and things we see out the window and stuff we're looking forward to. And like, I don't know, I just think it will become real that day and it will be so exciting for the kids that day. And like, actually, a lot of people asked me if we wanted to stay like in an interim place. Like there are actually a few homes in our neighborhood that we've learned, you know, through the realtor and other people are vacant and we could stay in them, not like an Airbnb. They're like someone's secondary residence, but nobody is traveling right now for that. And so our realtor very sweetly was like, do you want me to organize a way that you could like stay in someone's home for a few nights just to like get settled and get your beds up? and like make sure the dishwasher works and all this stuff. And I just couldn't bring myself to do it because I keep thinking of the magic of that day of our kids like getting in the car in our house in Richmond and then like getting there and the memories are of going from our old house to our new house. And I think that's on me. Like maybe I need to get over that and it would be easier to have an interim place to stay. But I just, I'm envisioning not only the drive and getting there, but that first morning when you wake up and you're like, I can't believe I live here now. Like I just don't want like a interim house in the middle of yeah, all that. Yeah, I think even if it is not perfectly comfortable or if it's a little bit of a weird night or like it's hard to get settled, I think it's all part of the adventure that we're excited about. And I think they will be fun memories and fun stories. And so it's an important experience to have either way. Yeah. Well, and the other thing that I think might be weird the first few nights is getting Burger settled, our dog, because he's getting a little bit older. He's 13. And so he often needs a middle of the night potty break. And I'm expecting that one to be a little bit disorienting for all of us because I can't just let him out in the backyard like usual. Like I'll probably have to leash him and supervise so that he doesn't get lost <laughs> at 3 a.m. So we're not like, Burger, Burger, come back here right now. Yeah. And also Burger's deaf guy. So that wouldn't help at all. I was going to say that I think that's going to be an upgraded experience because currently we sleep upstairs. And at the beach house, we slept upstairs like we're used to being upstairs and when burger has to go out in the middle of the night there's a lot of like going down the stairs opening the back door traipsing back upstairs last night fun fact john fell asleep on the rug downstairs while burger was outside he was outside so long and i was tired i laid down on the rug and i fell asleep and then you know what he said guys he said i could feel that i was laying on crumbs Clearly, we need to vacuum. He's like the princess and the pea. Yeah. But anyway, in the new house, we all sleep on the first floor. And I think it's going to be life-changing that we can just throw open the door in our own bedroom, let the dog out, put him on a leash, make sure we don't lose him. But I think that's still going to be easier than going down the stairs, letting him out, bringing him back up the stairs. Like, it's going to be a lot less legwork. I did tell Sherry that means in the morning when I let him out, like, it's going to be light streaming right in her face. Yeah, but I'm also embracing, did you guys know this? A lot of you are going to be shocked. Prepare yourselves. Sit down. We are moving an hour back in time zones. Were you listening? I already mentioned this like 10 minutes ago. Well, you mentioned it during the drive, but I feel like people need to absorb that it's like a full, like our life is going to be an hour earlier than it's been our entire, like we've always lived on the East Coast Standard Time. Yes. 
Always. Yes, this doesn't seem like that significant of a change. Oh, this is crazy to me. My entire life. And I've lived, this is going to be my fourth state I've lived in, guys. But it's always been Eastern Standard Time. And so I think it's going to be funny to like, my shows I'm always used to coming on at nine are going to come on at eight. So I am fully When is the last time you watched a show on time? That's true. Sometimes Housewives. When I'm really into it and I don't want spoilers. You watch Survivor pretty much on time. I don't. I watch it a day late. Oh. Well, I was going to say that I'm embracing the going to bed earlier, waking up earlier, because I just think moving an hour's time is going to do that You're going to keep your entire body on Eastern Standard Time? <laughs> Guys, all my friends are still going to text me on Eastern Standard Time. I feel like it's going to just keep me on that time zone forever. It's funny we're talking about time zones because I didn't plan this segue, but now that it's been laid out for me so nicely, I'm going to take it. We are actually going to call someone who lives in a very different time zone. Her name is Medina Grillo, and she is a design blogger based in the UK. And the reason we're speaking to her is that she specializes in decor and DIY projects for renters because she rents in the UK and she does a whole video series profiling other renters with tons of great ideas for how you can make a rented space look beautiful and personalized to your style. Right. Number one, her accent is amazing. I love listening to her talk. I feel like she could just narrate my day in my head for the rest of my life. I would love that. Number two, she has the best ideas. You have to go to the show notes and see some of her spaces. It is unbelievable how different they are. They're dramatic, amazing changes. They just bring so much of her personality to the space. So she really is a perfect example of if you're renting, you don't really have to stop short or give up anything. She gets exactly what she wants from spaces and she has lots of secrets to share with you. And I also want to say, even if you are not a renter, please don't tune out because Sherry and I took a lot from this conversation with how you can use temporary materials or affordable materials to try out a project. Like if you're not totally sure what you want to do yet or you're not ready to spend a whole lot of money on something, there's some great ideas in here for homeowners as well. So we're going to give her a call. Hello. Hi. (laughs) It's so nice to talk to you. I feel like this is a topic we should have covered much earlier on the podcast. So I'm psyched you're here to like catch everyone up. Oh, thank you for having me. Well, I guess maybe a first question is what sort of prompted you to become a voice of decorating for renters out on the internet? I think because there isn't that many people talking about it, especially in the UK. I mean, you probably have seen on Instagram, there's so much inspiration around interiors. But a lot of the accounts that I started following were like huge renovation accounts and obviously people that had bought their home. And there was a few people that were renting, but we don't talk about it that much because there's a lot of this um, concept that why bother decorating if you, you know, if you're renting because it's not really your home. So I think there's a lot of a bit of shame, maybe a bit of guilt attached to it. So that's probably why I thought, you know, I need to talk about my own journey with renting because I've been renting for like over 10 years now. And there needs to be um, a platform where people feel safe to do that. And that's why I started talking about my own personal thoughts on it. And it was really interesting to see the response to that because a lot of other renters felt the same way that I had. Essentially, you are decorating a home that isn't yours. But at the same time, it's also the idea that even though it isn't yours, it's still your home. Um, And I think just trying to break through that thought process 
um, is kind of like why I think it's really important that we talk about it. And I think for context, people need to understand that the way that you've been able to personalize and decorate your space is like far beyond my own even personal stereotypes of how much you can do in a rental and how custom you can make it look. Because, you know, before we bought our first home, Sherry and I rented apartments in New York City. Yeah. And we would do some things like I think we convinced one of our landlords to let us paint like a, a mural on one of our walls. We'll put that in the show notes. Yeah. <laughs> It's highly embarrassing 13 or 15 years later. I think we always had that urge, like you're talking about, to make a space our own, whether we owned it or rented it. Yeah. But we also had that fear of like having to ask permission. Will it be worth it? I remember in my first apartment or maybe my third apartment, I like cut out birds on paper and taped them to the wall because I was like, oh, that was so cute. I was just afraid to do anything permanent. And even when I removed the tape, I thought, what if I take the paint off? I definitely feel like when you rent, because you have all these restrictions, it forces you to be much more creative. And thankfully, um, I think the industry, the renting industry has moved on quite a lot from when I first started renting. There's lots of amazing products available now that are just temporary. And I think it's really important that we are speaking to our landlords and just kind of like getting the ground rules of what we can and can't do and taking it from there. Do you have any advice on talking to your landlords? Like what would be a quick script you could give someone if they're giving a call to their landlord to ask like what is permissible or share an idea? Or maybe to nudge them in the direction of making more permissible. Yeah. So I think uh, one of the biggest things for me, I think, um, is actually when you rent a property, if you have a chance to like meeting your landlord in person and just getting a feel for the kind of person that they are, because For the houses that I've rented where I've met the landlord, I feel like our actual relationship is much better than the ones that I haven't met or spoken to uh, on the telephone, for example. So I think just establishing to the landlord that, hey, obviously, I know it's your home. I don't want to do anything that's going to you know, damage your home in any way. But I do want to make it homely. And I think what I'm going to do to it is going to hopefully increase the, you know, the investment for your home as well. I think once landlords know that you're taking care of their home, that you are investing love into it then they are a lot more relaxed with what you can and can't do. That's what I found personally. But like what I'd like to do as well is either send an email or just do like a text message so that I have proof to say that I have been allowed to I know, paint a wall. I've been allowed to change flooring. I think also showing the landlord ideas of what you want to do is also a good way to kind of sway them as well. And I think starting small, so don't go in straight away and be like, I want to change everything completely. I mean, acknowledge that you, you know, this is a lovely property. I think that if we did this and this, that might make it slightly better and then just see where it goes from there. I love that. And to go back to when you said there are like better products now that people can use to update their spaces that might not be permanent. Do you have a few favorite newer products that have changed the game in making a home feel personalized but not permanently changed? So my biggest thing, and I talk about this a lot in my book, is removable wallpaper. So it's essentially wallpaper that you can paste onto your walls that is very easy to put on and that can be removed after. So it's sort of like a contact paper, but it's like a better quality. And I think years ago they had started making this and there wasn't a lot of designs and colors to choose from. But now like the market, I think, has blown up a lot more. And I've used it in so many places in my home and it's just easy to put up, easy to remove. And again, it makes such a massive difference to a room. Another thing that you can do to a rental that is quite quick to do and easy um, to get a really fresh look is removing the cabinet doors from your kitchen to the top cabinets normally. Because I've done it in my kitchen. I removed them. I put them, all the screws and the doors into my garage. And then I just wallpapered 
again, with removable wallpaper, the backing of the cabinet. And again, it's made such a huge difference to that space. And I can then put those doors back on once I leave. And I guess it sort of takes it from looking like a basic kitchen to almost like an open shelving appearance. Exactly. And it teaches you to be a lot more organized and tidy because I'm not naturally a very organized person. But since I've had open shelving, everything's in order, which is great. And what do you say to people who say open shelves are too dusty? I think because I use the items so regularly, they don't get dusty. I think if you're using open shelving just for like styling that you're never ever going to use it will get dusty but for me they've not been dusty and I mean even if it they get dusty you can just dust them and in the example you gave if you end up not liking the open shelving you just put the doors back on yeah so it's a really really simple solution um, if you want to give your kitchen a little facelift you know what else I heard someone say that she takes down her light fixtures do you have boob light fixtures in England do you call them boob lights we have them only in, in the bathrooms normally you'll find new construction houses here that have them basically everywhere with the dining room. Just like down a hallway, you'll have like four or five boob lights in a row. So I have a friend who when she rents, she literally brings like a few pendant lights and she puts them up. And when she leaves, she puts the ugly ones back up. I think she stores them under the bed. I love that. That's just, that's clever. Is there a particular project that you've done in your space that surprised you as to how much impact it made? My most favorite one, actually, was um, I wallpapered my floor um, in my entrance. So there's a little porch area that is in my home before you walk into the living room. And when I first moved into the property, um, it was this really ugly laminate flooring that was really scratched. And it had like a really reddish brown, ugly tone to it that I just hated. Every day I'd walk in my house, I thought, I hate this flooring so much. Um, My landlord was okay with me changing it, but I would have to pay for it myself. And I couldn't afford it at the time. So I decided to wallpaper my floor. Um, And it was really quite easy and simple to do. And again, like it had such immediate effect on the space, like it brightened up the space so much and it lasted two years. So by the time I removed it, which I've just done like last month, the floor underneath is in good quality still. And I'm just going to obviously change it because I can now afford to do that. So I think um, temporary solutions like wallpapering a floor is a really, really great idea. I have to admit, I haven't heard of wallpaper on a floor before, and I'm impressed to hear that it held up so well. Yeah, the key is to get lots and lots of coats of, we, in England, we call it varnish. I think you call it something else. Yeah, we call it polyurethane. Exactly, yeah. So just putting loads of seal on top of it, um, and it works really great. But it still came up easily enough and didn't leave like a sticky residue or anything? No, there's two ways to do it. So you could do it with traditional wallpaper with no sticky backing, or you could do it with like a contact paper. Right. Um, I used um, the contact with a self-adhesive at the back of it, so it was easy to put down and easy to pull up. That's awesome. And so what are your tips for someone having to deal with something they absolutely cannot change? Like the landlord has said, you cannot update, I don't know, the backsplash. What are some workarounds to not updating it, but maybe putting something over it or, you know, like distracting from it, maybe? If we're talking about a backsplash, which in England, we call it a splashback, actually. Oh, right. I know, I love that. Thank you for translating, Medina. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So um, I would say uh, first thing is to give it a nice clean and try things like grout pens, for example, just to lighten up the grout um, to make it look a bit more cleaner. You could darken it or you could lighten it. And again, the biggest thing, I guess, in that situation where you can't remove it would be just to cover it up. Just use like removable products and just cover it. What would you say to someone who's like, I hear you, but I'm just really discouraged because I feel like I've rented for a long time and I've never really made my mark and I don't know where to start. 
What's a little baby step someone can do to start to, I guess, feel the good feelings that come with putting your own stamp on a place that might give them momentum and encouragement to keep going? I think the big thing is, first of all, establishing what you can and can't do in your rental, because for everybody that will look different. And it depends, again, on your relationship with your landlord. But I would say, figure out what you like, figure out things that make you happy, that bring joy to you and kind of like take it from there. So maybe if you like art, find art that you like and, you know, try decorating around that art, you know, that will become a feature for your room. So it's all in the accessories, I would say, and all in your styling. And again, don't follow trends, work out what you like, because when you follow trends, you end up buying things that you probably might not use the next year. Because I think um, our styles are quite individual to us. And a lot of the things in my house, I know people will be like, "Mm, I don't really like that, but it doesn't matter because it's what makes me happy. And it's so important that we have a space that we feel really safe and happy in because like I said, I know that we don't own the physical home, but home is so much more than four walls. I think it's just a feeling that we need to create ourselves. Yeah, I mean, you spend so much time at home. It's worth a little bit of time and effort. We even did it in our tiny studio apartments. I had one in New York that was so small, all I had in it was a bed. So when people visited me, we very awkwardly sat on the bed. (laughs) It was like the only place you could sit. But I loved it because it was all I had and I wanted to make it cute. And that's the I cut out the little birds and put on the wall and I upholstered my own headboard because I thought, well, that's something that can come with me. Yeah. Well, I remember you painted a big stripe around the room. I think it was kind of neon green. No, I think it was orange. Oh, it might have been green. (laughs) You know, this was 2004 or five. There were a lot of big colors, but that was something you got permission to do from your landlord. But it also wasn't a huge commitment because it was probably only like a, what, 12 or 16 inch stripe around the room. So when it was time for her to move out, it's an easy thing to repaint because she's not painting the entire apartment again. Exactly. I also feel like with regards to like the feeling of home, I think especially important when you have children as well, because um, when you're a child, you don't know that your parents are buying or they're, they're renting a home. So I really think it's important that we are creating a home that our children can love as well. And I think that feeling of home is also based on family. That's a great point, too. I know you also do a video series where you talk to other renters. I was curious if you had any big takeaways or new ideas to you that came from doing those interviews. Yeah, so the series itself is called Hashtag How I Rent. I started that last year and it's basically, as you just said, it's me going to renters all over England and they're basically showing me how they've decorated their homes. It's amazing because every one of the people that I interviewed were completely different. They all had their own ideas and it was just fantastic and so inspiring. Um, There was somebody's house that I visited. um, Her name is Zena at Heart Zena Home. And she'd lived in a property that had like a railing around her whole apartment. And what she'd done was she'd used, they're called um, picture clips, hanging clips. So without making any holes in her wall, she was hanging pictures from the rail. And she did it at different heights. So it was like a gallery wall. And it was just really, really, I thought it was so cool, like mind blowing. And also there was a, a renter who I visited who decorated her house completely with contact paper. Like she'd done stripes. She'd created like faux panels. I just feel like the fact that we have so many restrictions is just making us really think outside of the box and the results are amazing. Well, and I think that's why this is also an interesting conversation to be having for homeowners. Like I think a lot of the tips that you've given is not just for renters because there's a lot of us in any space who sometimes need to do something temporary, whether it's because it's 
for budget reasons or because we don't know what we want yet. We just want to try something on like the smaller, temporary, maybe less expensive changes that we make are useful steps in getting to the big permanent changes. Yeah, I agree. And there are a lot of actually first time buyers who are following the How I Rent series and also reading my book. So I know there's a lot of people who are getting some of these tips and putting it into their own homes. What's a myth that you'd like to dispel about renting versus uh, owning your own home? One of the things that I really wanted to tackle um, this year and with my you know, How I Rent series and with my book was just to get rid of that the myth that you know people that rent their homes are just renting because they can't afford to buy a house and I would like to be able to you know tackle that stigma because there's a lot of reasons why people might be renting you know because a breakdown of you know relationship that could be for convenience it could be because of location and maybe because you don't want the commitment so I think it's also good to look at renting not just as um, somebody not being as successful as somebody else I think talking a bit more about that is one of the reasons as well that I started um, the How I Rent series and talking openly about my own journey. Yeah, exactly. Renting is not a consolation or a runner up. Yeah. It's a smart decision for lots of reasons for lots of people. Yeah. Thank right. you. And it was so nice to talk to you. I hope we get to meet in person someday. Hopefully, yes. And you too. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. Of course. Talk to you later. Bye-bye. Okay, well, like we said several times in that conversation, head over to the show notes at younghouselove.com slash podcast to check out some of the pictures of Medina's spaces. And there you can also find links to her How I Rent series, as well as her book, Home Sweet Rented Home. But next up, we're going to get into we're digging. Yes, I'm digging something that is sticky. Sounds gross, but it's great. But first, we have to take a quick break. Regular listeners of our podcast probably already know that this week's sponsor, Agility Bed, offers hybrid mattresses, cooling pillows, and even special stay tuck sheets that you can order from home and get shipped right to your door. We've actually just bought a new mattress from them for our house in Florida with our own money, not sponsored. We just truly love their mattresses. We had bought one for the Pink House Master. It was super comfy. We can't wait to get it. We're just shipping it straight to the new house, so when we arrive, it will be there waiting for us. And as a sleep company, Agility is focused now more than ever on everyone feeling well-rested because a good night's sleep has been proven be both an important part of your physical and mental health. Yeah, so this is your friendly reminder to get to bed at a reasonable hour. That next episode of Housewives can wait another day. Get the room nice and dark, maybe put it on a sound machine, whatever it takes for you to feel well-rested in the morning. And if your mattress, your pillows, or even your sheets just aren't cutting it, Agility is also extending their 20% off promotion through June 30th. That's more than their usual 15% off we usually get, so just enter code COMFORT20 at checkout to get 20% off your entire order. Yes, again, that code is COMFORT20, and you can enter it at agilitybed.com slash YHL. That's Agility bed.com slash YHL now through June 30th. Okay, so not only are these things sticky, but not gross, they're wonderful, but they're also going to keep our son very busy in that long car ride we talked about earlier. So what I'm digging are these little activity books and they're called Paint by Sticker. And we just learned by accident, actually John's mom got our son some just to play around with for his birthday, and he is so obsessed with them, and we've realized they're the perfect thing for the car. So as you can imagine, I'll paint the picture, but I'm sure you're already gathering. That not paint. Right, it's not paint, it's stickers instead. So it's kind of like paint by number, but instead they're stickers, and each of the stickers is numbered, and they're very small slivers, and you peel the sticker off, and then you match the number up with the sort of 
of page that creates the animal or object, but he has so much fun with them, they keep him so busy. They are one use only, so much like a coloring book, you color it once, you can't yeah. like redo it. But each page probably keeps him busy for like 10 or 15 minutes. Like they're intricate, they're not five stickers. Yeah. I'd guess that each page or each image has like 100 stickers. Yeah, and I did notice when I was ordering them for the car ride that they also make them for adults. And I don't know the distinction. I think maybe they're more intricate, maybe smaller stickers. I know the books were more expensive. Yeah. But the kids' versions, we got them for just like $7 each. So it was very affordable. And again, we're hoping on this car ride, we will have already done by the time you hear this, that they were very useful. I'll also add that we got our daughter something for the car ride as well. Because, you know, it's nice over a long car ride to like kind of surprise them along the way with little treats and milestones to keep the energy up and everything. Right. Like, we're out of Virginia. Here's your first book. Right. Exactly. (laughs) So we got those. Like, we got a big Mad Libs we can all do together. But we also got our daughter a couple books by Carl Hyacin. I think that's how you say his last name. Um, But he is a Florida-based author and I guess writes a lot of kids' stories. He does adult stories also, but he does kids' stories that are based in Florida. So we thought it might be fun for her to read a Florida-based story on the way to Florida. So we got her one called Chomp. It has an alligator on the cover. So, I mean, what's more Florida than that? The funny thing is that her teacher is reading them a book by him, and that's how we learned about him. And then we're like, oh my gosh, she's a Florida author, and she's already reading one of his books. We'll get her a few more for the car. So... Cross your fingers. By the time you hear this, that future John and Sherry have come out on the other side of this long drive with pee bags, and we have nothing but good memories and funny stories to tell you. Right. But what I am digging this week is an Instagram account that I discovered recently called Subpar Parks. I'll put a link to it in the show notes. But it is the account of a uh, illustrator or designer named Amber Shares. And what she does is she does these kind of vintage looking travel posters, like she illustrates these travel posters for the national parks. And they're very pretty in their own right, especially like those old school looking like travel postcards. But what she does, this is the subpar part, is she takes quotes from one star reviews on Yelp for these national parks and puts them like beautifully across the picture. It is so funny. We spent like half an hour just like cry laughing over every single one of them with our friends who have been to like half the national parks and we kept sending them screenshots of them and they just were dying. Like an example would be that for Sequoia National Park, she just illustrated something that's like trees and wilderness and it says there are bugs and they will bite you on your face. (laughs) Like it's always like these angry reviews like, eh, it's just a big hole for the yeah. Grand Canyon. Yeah. Um, like the Great Smoky Mountains says, nothing specific to do. <laughs> <laughs> like, isn't that why you go to a national park? Just to sort of like enjoy nature. Like what? There's not a Ferris wheel here? Yeah, my favorite one. Um, and I should also point out that she sells like prints and postcards of these as well. So if you want these actually like in your home, you can do that. But my favorite one, which I believe is the thing that started the whole project is for Arches National Park, which is in Utah. I've never been, but it looks beautiful. Like it has all those like orange rock formations and like a big arch that you can walk through. And so <laughs> this one says, looks nothing like the license plate. I just like the idea of her combing through the one star reviews and being like, this is just curmudgeon enough. Saguaro National Park. Okay, if you like cactus. <laughs> Guys, the rest of this podcast will yeah. be 30 minutes of I'm just going to read all of them. them. Yellowstone National Park. Save yourself some money. Boil some water at home. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening to Young House Love Has a Podcast. And as a reminder, we're taking next week off, but we'll be back with a new episode from Florida on June 1st. Yes, and keep telling us what you do while you listen. 
Like Mrs. V on Twitter, who's an elementary school teacher who said she listened while prepping for another week of distance teaching. Thanks for listening and thanks for teaching, Mrs. V. Yes, shout out to all the amazing teachers who are doing such a good job to keep our kids learning. It has been interesting to watch and you teachers are amazing for adapting and helping our kids learn. And in the show notes at younghouselove.com slash podcast, we'll put all the photos and links of Medina's stuff. And if we can, a couple pictures from Florida also. Yes, maybe some of the drive. Who knows what'll be in there? Just go to younghouselove.com slash podcast to see. We'll also link those subpar parks posters. Later. Bye. Let's do some test talking. Test, test. There no. were nights when the wind was so cold. Test talking. And it's something, something, something. I could something, something, something <laughs> out the window. We really need to look up lyrics before you do an impression. Ask me a rap and I know it. Ask me a ballad. There's a lot of somethings. <laughs>